Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We are so glad to have you with us today on this broadcast. Listen to me. There are answers for you today. The Word of God has answers to any question, every question, solutions to any and every problem. And if you will take the time, just like you're doing right now, to give your attention to His Word. Attend to my Word, He said. Incline your ears to what I'm saying. Keep them in front of you. Let them get down into your heart and they will be life to you. They will be medicine to your whole life. Glory to God. And I believe that's what you have available to you today right here in the time that we have together on this broadcast. In just a moment, we're going to go back into service from right here at Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado for part two of a message that we're calling With Unveiled Face. That has to do with the way you see God and the way He sees you. Listen to me, you and I are blessed and privileged to be living in a time where there's nothing between us and God. Jesus took care of everything between us, got that middle wall of separation out from us, and now we can behold him with an unveiled face. And this is coming out of a, a series of messages that we were doing here at the church focused on the fire and the glory the power and the presence of God. And now we can behold his glory with an unveiled face. So today's gonna to be part two of that message. Before we get into the message though, we're gonna share with you another glory story, uh, a good report of the good things our good God is doing here in the lives of the family of Legacy Church and in you, our partners from all over the world, partners of Pearson's Ministries. We wanna hear what God's doing in your life. We want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice with you. But more than that, we want what God has done for you to stir faith in the lives of other people. Because when they see it and they hear it, if they respond the right way to it, they'll say, wait a second, that's my God too. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. That's what these testimonies are for. Everything you see on this broadcast and coming out of this ministry is designed to do one thing, and that is stir faith in your heart so that you put faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in his word, and watch that faith become sight. So we're going to share another glory story with you. And if you've got one you want to share with us, something God has done in your life, particularly uh, in connection with the ministry or what you've received here, share it with us. You can email us. Just send your email to glorystory at legacychurch.family. We'll get it and we'll share it with other people. And we'll celebrate together the good things our good God is doing and the greater things that are yet to come. Let's share these glory stories together. Get into the word and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. And some of you guys are gonna like this one in here. Maybe some of you girls, but this is a really good one. Do we have any hunters in the room? Anybody likes a hunt? Okay. Oh yeah, I heard some growling down here on the front row. Oh yeah. Okay. Around 2010, I sold a hunting rifle that I really liked. It was my first nice hunting rifle that I shot my first deer with. I was going on a missions trip and I thought I needed to sell it, thinking that otherwise there would be a lack in finances. But years later, I realized I should not have sold it, that my motive for selling was fear-based. This year in February, one morning as I was reading the word, I heard the Lord say, buy back what was stolen. The first thing that came to my mind was that rifle that I regretted selling years back. 
within a few days, I called the guy I had sold it to like 10 years ago. And I said, hey, do you still have that hunting rifle? Would you want to sell it back? And he said, you know what? I was just shooting it a couple days ago and I decided I want to sell it. A few weeks later on March 1st, I picked it up along with six boxes of shells as I was driving through West Texas. Also, my brother-in-law had asked if I could pick up some things for him while I was in that area, including one of his rifles that had a really nice scope. And when I brought it to him, um, brought his things to him in Houston, he gave me the scope, which was 10 times better than the one I had already had on my rifle and worth as much as the rifle itself. God God is a God of recovery. Amen. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Moses is having a moment. And I think he can sense it. Because this conversa- conversation started off a few minutes ago with God going, y'all go, but I ain't going. I will flat burn these people to a crisp. I'm not going. And in just a short conversation... Moses has said, if you're not going, we're not going. What about the grace? And God says, okay, fine. You found grace. And he says, well, if you don't bring us up, how will people know we belong to you? And God says, fine, I'll go with you. And he says, fine, I'll give you rest from your labor. And I think, I think Moses can sense the momentum that's, decidedly in his favor. He's getting everything he's asking for, isn't he? I mean, can we agree on that? He has just changed the mind of God. And he's getting it all. And Moses, I think, is standing there going, okay, okay, okay. I got the grace. I got his presence. I've got his rest. He's going with me. And I think he says to himself, I'm going for it. I'm going all in. And you know what he shouted out in verse 18? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Now the Bible doesn't record awkward silences. But I think if it did, there'd be one right there. Because God looked back at him and essentially said, no. What did he say to him? He said to him in verse 20, you cannot see my face. So evidently that's where the glory is, is in his face. He said, you can't see my face for no man shall see me and live. Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, I could show you, but then I'd have to kill you. Because no man can see me. You can't see my face and live. Show me your glory. I got his grace. I got his presence. I've got his rest. I want the glory. Show me your glory. I think what Moses was saying to him was, I'm done talking to you with this cloud between us. I'm done with there being something hiding you from me. I know you're in there. It's bright, but it's concealed. 
And that's what clouds do. On a cloudy day here, the sun might be in the sky and there's light in the environment, but you can't actually see the sun. Why? Because those clouds act like a veil and that sun hides behind it. I mean, how many times do you get up? We've got this big, beautiful mountain out there in front of us. And there are days when you can see it and there are days when you can't. Now, if you'd never seen it before and you show up on a cloudy day, you might have no idea that there is a 14,000 foot mountain behind those clouds. But there is. I said, there is. And when the clouds clear, it's a whole new view. It's unveiled. You can see clearly, right? And I think that's what Moses was saying to God. I'm done with this stuff between us. I'm done talking to you through this cloud. Show me your glory. I want to see your face. And God said, no, I can let you have a taste of the grace. I'll go with you into the promised land. I'll even give you rest. But no man can see my face and live. I believe there are a couple of different things that probably would have served to kill Moses on the spot had God come out from behind that cloud and lifted that veil. When you study the word glory, Itself, it literally means heavy. It means weighty. It also means brightness and splendor. Both in the Old Testament and New, it means the exact same thing. The brightness of his glory. I believe that if Moses had even for a second seen actually face to face and not, not with a veil between them, it would have been too bright. It would have been so bright that he just would have been burnt right there on the spot. But not only would it have been so bright that he couldn't stand it, it would have been so weighty, so heavy. And this is one aspect of the glory of God I'm not sure we're familiar enough with. The weightiness of it. The heaviness of his presence. Weighty. I think it would have been crushing. Mm -hmm. yeah. The glory and the fire. The fire and the glory. I think one thing we may see through this study is that the glory of God is the actual atmosphere of heaven. We breathe in the atmosphere here on earth and heaven has its own atmosphere. But if you've ever studied any of these things, you know even traveling from planet to planet Within our own solar system, the atmospheres are different. And you may weigh one thing on earth, but you weigh something else somewhere else. How could that be? Well, the atmosphere is different. The air is heavier. The glory is heavy. The glory is weighty. But what God did say to him, after he said, show me your glory, God said to him, here's what I'll do. I'll make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me and you will stand on the rock. So it will be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand and you will see my back, but my face, somebody say my face, my face. My face. What did he say? My face shall not be seen. 
So I'm not trying to take anything away from Moses. There is no mistake in this. He had a moment with God that day. And he got to see the goodness of God. And this experience he had with God where God put him in the cleft of this rock and as the glory passed by, he hit him with his hand and then he removed it and he got to see the back of God. But we have to admit, he didn't get to see everything, did he? You have to admit that. God said, you cannot see my face. In other words, you can't see everything. There is some that I can show you, but there, there is some that has to remain veiled, that has to stay hidden. If you still have your place there in 2 Corinthians, go back with me. We were in 2 Corinthians 4, but back up just one chapter to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3 is the New Testament perspective of the Old Testament story we just read. And in verse 7, you pick up on that when he says, if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones. What's he talking about? The Ten Commandments. Is that not what was written and engraved on stones? As a matter of fact, that's exactly what happened right after Moses saw what he saw. God told him, get tablets and I'll write on them. So you see, this is the account that he's talking about. He said, if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which was passing away. I want you to note in these next several verses how many times the word glory or glorious comes up over and over and over. But I want you to notice here, he's comparing two glories. Moses said, show me your glory. I'm done talking to you from behind that cloud. Show me your glory. I want to see your face. And God said, no man can see my face and live. But what the scripture is telling us here is that that ministry written and engraved on stones, it had a measure or a degree of glory. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. What's he talking about? Whatever Moses saw that day so saturated him. It saturated his clothes. It saturated his skin, his being. He didn't even see everything. Now again, I'm not taking something from him because he had a moment. He saw something and it so got on him that it saturated him and he put a veil over his face. And he said, if that was glorious, verse eight, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? So you can see here, we're comparing two different glories. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in, say it with me, glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory. I mean, it's over and over. Had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel 
Thank you, Lord. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Why? Because the veil is taken away in Christ. Whatever's blocking the face is taken away in Jesus. There's even a vestige of this left in our culture today when a man and a woman stand at an, at an altar of marriage. The bride comes walking down the aisle, but in many cases, we've seen it over and over, what does she have over her face? A veil. Now these things are more than just tradition, they represent something. And it's not until that covenant is made and they've entered into that covenant that he's allowed to lift that veil. Now he knows there's a face behind there. <laughs> At least there better be. <laughs> he knows that there's something, there's someone behind there, but that veil represents the fact that you don't get access to all this. <laughs> until there's a covenant. Unless and until we enter into this thing and the two become one. There will be something between us. She's there, but there's something blocking the view. This veil thing is a serious thing. I laugh about this sometimes. You look back at the Old Testament. You remember Jacob? How he fell in love with Laban's daughter? Who'd he fall in love with? Rachel. And he said to Laban, I love Rachel. I want to marry Rachel. And he said, okay, you work for seven years and you can marry Rachel. He works for seven years and the Bible says to him, it seemed like no time at all. It's romantic, right? And then comes the wedding day. And I don't know. I mean, you know what happened, right? Laban tricked Jacob. And the Bible says Rachel had a sister and her name was Leah. And the Bible says about Leah that she had a delicate eye. I think that's the Bible's way of saying that Leah had a nice personality. <laughs> because it makes a very clear distinction. Rachel was beautiful. Leah had a delicate eye. <laughs> and I don't know what happened on that wedding day. I don't know if she had on some full body veil or what. When she comes walking down that aisle and Jacob's kind of looking going, is that Leah? Is that Rachel? Who is that? But the, all we know is that the Bible says they got married, they had this huge party, and they drank, and they drank, and they drank until they were drunk, and it wasn't until the next morning that Jacob comes out and says, wait a second, that's Leah, that's Leah. And I think the moral of this story is clear, young people, if you drink alcohol, you will marry the ugly sister. I don't, I can't see any other thing to be drawn from that other than that revelation right there. But you got to wonder, how did he even pull that off? How was he able to trick him? I don't know if there was a serious veil involved or what. It was a veil or a trash bag or I have no idea, but whatever it was kept Jacob from seeing. There's something between them. 
The Bible says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that that veil is still in place until you turn to Christ. Until you turn to Jesus, there's still something blocking your view. Verse 15, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I like verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face. That's the title of this message today. With unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror. Come on, help me out. What are we looking at in the mirror? What are we looking at? The glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Now listen, from glory to glory. Now we have used that expression from glory to glory to describe different degrees, right? We use it almost in a way of saying things are getting better. Oh, going from glory to glory. And there is an element of truth to that. But go back to what we just read through this entire chapter here in 2 Corinthians 3. What's he doing? He's comparing two glories, You go back to that Old Testament guy who got a taste of what you and I have access to now. He got a taste of the grace. He got a measure of the presence. He got an experience with the rest. But when he said, I want to see the glory, God said, no, not yet. That's for another time. The glory. Now what he saw had a measure of it. There was a taste of it, but you have to acknowledge he did not get to see everything he wanted to see. Now, there's no doubt about it. What he did see, I guarantee you this, marked his life forever, man. He had an experience in the presence of God. He saw the goodness of God. Isn't that what God said? I'll make my goodness pass by. He saw something and it was glorious. But here's the thing. According to these verses, that glory doesn't even begin to compare to this one. And we, with unveiled face, when we turn to Jesus, we go from glory to glory. From that one to this one. Which one? The one where there's nothing between us. The one where we don't have to talk to him through a cloud. The one where there's not a veil over our face or over our heart. We have access to all of him. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. Chapter 4 Verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, you can see he's still talking about this. It's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. This is what the gospel is. It's the glory of Christ. Listen, who is the image of God. The image of God. What was Moses wanting to see? I'm done looking at a cloud. Let me see the light behind it. I'm done looking at this view. I want to see the source of the brightness. And God said, no, you can't see my face. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? 
in the book of Hebrews chapter one, it says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days. So look, he's comparing these two times. You got what he said back then. You got what he's saying right now. He has spoken in these last days to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory. Who is? Jesus. Jesus is the brightness. What did I tell you the glory means? Brightness, splendor. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. When Moses was crying out, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. I want to see what makes you, you. I want to see the part of God that makes him God. God literally had to say to him, not now, not yet. Because that was going to be revealed in Jesus Back to 2 Corinthians 4, he said, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts. Are you ready for this? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory. It's the God who caused the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give it, to give what? To give that thing Moses was crying out for. The same God who said light be and released that creative force. That wasn't sunshine. That was the glory of God. Sunshine didn't show up for another couple of days, but when God said light be, it was his glory the brightness of his glory that shot out of him at 186,000 miles per second and is still creating at that same rate right now. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.